Father, we do thank you once again for the opportunity to be here, to get into your word, God. And I do pray as we, as we begin wrapping up here the book of Galatians, Lord, and such practical, practical things to, to put into our lives. And I pray that it wouldn't just be words we hear or theology or good ideas, but Lord, we would hear your heart for us. Lord, that each individual could leave here today knowing that you, you've, you've spoken to us, knowing that, God, you desire to be intimately involved in areas of our life, every area of our life. And, and so, God, I pray that as we hear what Paul said to that church centuries ago and how he counseled them and, and encouraged them, Lord, we want to take that same counsel and encouragement and we want to act on it. So I pray that you would bless this time. I pray, God, that you would be glorified in it and that we could leave here as your people built up, edified, and strengthened. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, as we uh, get in this section, you know, I, I think it's an important thing that we need to ask ourselves, how am I investing in my life? Because I think that's an important question because we are investing in our lives. No matter what we do, we're investing. I'm not talking about how you're planning for retirement. I'm asking how are you investing in your life so your life will be what you want it to be? Or maybe even greater than that, so your life will be what God wants it to be. Because we're, hey, we're investing. Some of us are making good investment. Some of us are making really bad investment, but we're investing. So I want us to kind of think about that as we go through this. And then today we're going to learn something, and I think most of us know, but reemphasize it maybe in our lives, that there are certain absolutes, just like there's physical absolutes, right? I love it when people say, you know, there's absolutely no absolutes. And I'm going, now that's a little weird. But listen, there are absolutes. And my favorite thing to tell people is if you don't believe there's absolutes, climb up on this building, jump off. You will find out gravity is an absolute. Works every time. It's an absolute and it's there. So scientifically, listen, science couldn't exist if there wasn't absolutes. So we kind of know that. I think a lot of us know that. But there's also spiritual absolutes and moral absolutes. Now what fascinates me is scientists who believe in scientific physical absolutes don't want to believe in moral absolutes, especially. They want to deny those. So Paul today is going to let us know there is this absolute truth about sowing and reaping in our lives. He's not talking about, listen, he's not talking to farmers. He's talking to believers. And he said, this is going to be an absolute. I believe most of us know this saying and have heard it before, right? Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, you reap a habit. Sow a habit, you reap a character. Sow a character, you reap a destiny. Most of us have heard that, and I think some of us have heard that, and we kind of push it away because we don't like hearing that, but it's true. And so today, we're going to be challenged on how are we investing in our lives? 
What are we doing in our personal lives? So I want to back up to verse 6 again. We talked about it some last week, but I think it goes with what we're talking about here again this morning. So I'm going to back up, go over that before we get into the actual sowing and reaping. But verse 6 again says, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Now last week when we were wrapping up, we talked about that has to do somewhat, I think, with supporting those who are in leadership, of, of sharing with them but the, and, and, and taking care of that. And I don't want to go over that again, but I also think it's greater than that because he says, share all good things. And in that whole idea is that word that a lot of us are familiar with, koinonia, which means we share, we're together, uh, and we come together. And so here's what he's saying. As a body, as the church, we're supposed to be together and not just sharing materially, but we're supposed to be sharing spiritually. I believe most of us know how edifying it is when somebody, you're talking to somebody and they begin to tell you what God has done in their life lately or some, some awesome thing that happened to them spiritually as they're going on. That just builds you up. And, and especially as church leadership, when, when people start telling us, hey, man, I was out and this happened and, and you know, God came through here or God did this in my life or God opened up a door for me to share. That is sharing and we, as leadership, hear that and it encourages us because here's what we know. God is alive and working in people's lives and here's what else we know. You're alive. So he says to do that. Now, why does he say to do that? Because verse seven says, and I'll come, I'll, I'll develop it, but I wanna, I wanna just read it in conjunction with verse six. Verse seven says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap. That comes after verse six. And I'm not just talking about numerically. I'm talking about, hey, think about, think about what he's just said. You who are being taught need to share all good things with those who teach you. And then he gets into sowing and reaping. He's telling you to share, not so, that, not so much so that person will benefit, the person you're sharing with, but so that you will benefit as a person who's sharing. It's a benefit to you. I don't know about you guys, but have you ever noticed as you serve the Lord and People may be blessed, but have you ever noticed how much more blessed you are in the sense that, whoa, I can't believe that happened. I've noticed, you know, when you let go of things, and I'm talking materially, when you let go of things, how much more blessed you are. And I'm not saying, listen, I'm not a guy who says, if you let go of it, God is going to give you 10 times as much. I'm saying, man, you're blessed. And you have that sense and that freedom. And, and so here's what he's saying, man. Get involved. Bottom line, here's what he's saying. Church, be the church. And quit trying to be a club. Quit trying to be like the world. Be the church. So then, share those things. And then he says, very, very pointedly, he says, do not be deceived. Whenever I read my Bible and it says, do not be deceived, here's what I think. I must be deceived in that area. Because he wouldn't bring up, do not be deceived, if I wasn't so easily deceived in the area he brought up. Have you noticed? Here's what I love. Check this out. Do this. Do this search. I didn't even give this for homework last night. You guys, you guys didn't come last night, so you get more homework. 
Check this out. Check this out. Type in, and, and you can Google it. You know, we all have computers now or ways of doing it. Check it out. Type in where it says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, and see what follows. Here's what blows my mind. Every time that's brought up, it's something that the church has been fighting on for centuries. And God says, I don't want you to be ignorant. And what do we do? We're as ignorant as we can be on those things. So here's what he's saying. I don't want you to be deceived. I believe we keep ourselves more diseased, diseased, deceived than, than uh, if, if he wouldn't have said it. So listen, obviously this is an area that's difficult for us. When the Bible says that, we need to recognize, wow, there's something there that I must trip up on, that I must blow it on, so I need to pay attention. The first thing is, he says, God's not mocked. Hmm. Again, why would he bring that up? I think because a lot of us think we get over on God. Any of you sinned this week? Don't raise your hands. <laughs> You'll make those who are lying feel bad. We sin, and then oftentimes I think we think we got away with it. Because a lot of times there's not immediate consequences. And we go, yes. But sometimes we're convicted, I hope more often than not, and we stop and we confess our sin, and he's faithful and just. But listen, when we do that, here's what we're doing, and especially when we sin in an area that we know we shouldn't be involved in, here's what we're doing. We're mocking God. That word for mock isn't making fun of. That word is thumbing your nose at. So here's what we're saying. I know better than you, God. I know you say that, but I know better than you. And why does he say, do not be deceived, God is not mocked? Because we think we can do that. And then he gets into, from the mocking, then he gets into, or thumbing our nose at God. And think of the Bible characters that have done that, right? I mean, it's kind of bizarre when you think about that. I'll, I'll get into one in a moment, but, but uh, you know, a lot go through my head. And then he says, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Do we really believe that? I mean, do we really believe it? I know, I know we read it. I know intellectually we understand it. I know intellectually we even agree with it. And we may even be nodding our heads right now. But do we really flesh that out? Do we really walk in an area that we know that if we sow something, if we put something out there, that we're going to reap a harvest from that? I think more often than not, we really don't believe that. We just kind of go through life and we think, well, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. And oftentimes it's because there's not immediate consequences. So we think we're okay. I get really uptight when I talk to parents, especially parents of teenagers. And they're teenagers sometimes, teenagers, Sometimes we'll be teenagers and want to go on their own and want to go and experiment and do things, and even young adults sometimes. And I hear parents say this, it's okay, they're just sowing their wild oats. What you sow, you will reap. You sow wild oats, you're not going to get strawberries. <laughs> right? We know, we know physically 
what you ever you put in the ground, that comes up. Not, now, listen, I know you don't put an apple seed and grow apple seeds, you grow apples. I get that, but you know what I mean. You don't plant apples and get bananas. We know that. But then why in our lives do we feel like it's okay if I sow that because I'm not going to reap that? Yeah, you will. So I think we should be busy about sowing good things. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. I think that goes both directions. And we'll talk about the flesh in a minute. So bottom line, here's what he says. He says, hey, you guys, I don't want you to be deceived. He says, I don't want you to, to, to be somebody and mocking God. I want you to know that whatever, whatever you sow, that also you're going to reap. And again, check out history of people who have thumbed their nose and made fun of God. And, and look at the end of their life. I have a, I have a book uh, called The Last Sayings of Saints and Sinners. And it's an interesting thing. It's just their quotes at the end of their life of, of what saints have said and what sinners have said and, and where they end up. So he says, hey, this is what's going to happen to you. And then he kind of explains it. I don't think it needs a lot of explaining, but he explains it. So first of all, he says, here's what's going to happen. It matters what you sow. What you put into your life matters. But then he says where you put it also matters. Verse 8, for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Again, two absolutes. What you sow, you will reap. The other absolute is where you sow, that's what you're going to harvest. And we need to know that if you pour into your life spiritually, you are going to grow and change spiritually. But if you pour into your flesh, you're going to grow, and, and he says you're going to then reap corruption. When I think of people, as I started out, when I think of people, I always think of Jacob. Jacob was a piece of work, Right? And it blows my mind. It blows my mind that Jacob is the beginning of all of Israel, right? When he, you know, he's a, the father of the 12 sons. And you think, seriously, God? And then I look in the mirror and understand why he does certain things, right? But Jacob, remember Jacob? And he decided he was going to scam his dad and his brother I love that story. Hey, if you're not familiar with that story, for homework, you can read Genesis 27 through 29. Great story. You might just read it anyway. Read it as a family. Gather around and read it. But it always blows my mind because he decides, and he's already got the birthright, but he's afraid he's not going to get it because he doesn't want to trust God, and he doesn't want to sow to the Spirit. So he starts sowing to the flesh, starts freaking out about things, start worrying about things, start taking things in his own hands. Sound familiar at all? Am I kind of touching some nerves? And starts going that direction and he's not going to trust God then he goes to mom and he says hey mom what can we do and she goes I got this great plan you need to dress up like your brother and make your dad think you're his your you you are your brother and he will give you the blessing he was going to get the blessing anyway but he goes and my favorite part is he goes and he kills a goat skins a goat put that on him and then he walks in and I love this line his dad goes wow you smell like Esau how bad did Esau smell? <laughs> Seriously, I, I read that and I go, the guy's got goat, dead goat skin on him and his dad goes, 
No, it smells like Esau. I'm thinking, man, that Esau probably didn't bathe since he was born or something, man. He had to have some bad body odor. And then he steals the blessing, right? And he thinks he's getting away with it. Here's the bottom line. He was mocking God. He was thumbing his nose at God because God already promised him the birthright. Thumbed his nose at God. What happened to Jacob? Wherever you sow, you will reap. You sow to the flesh, you're gonna reap corruption. Most of us know the story, right? He went and ran into Laban and he found somebody who was a better scammer than he was. And he got scammed and scammed and scammed and scammed by his father-in-law over and over and over and over again. Why? Because that's where he was planting. That's where he was working. So think about that in your life. What are you putting into your life? What are you doing? I got this great quote from John Stott. John Stott is a, is a he's not an old dead guy. He's kind of a current dead guy. You know, there's the old dead guys and then there's the, the current dead guys. But John Stott, great, great uh, writer, man. He wrote some trem- tremendous books, the, uh, just the one called The Cross. One of the best writings. Anyway, sorry. So he wrote this. Listen to what he wrote. He says, every time we allow our mind, this is sowing to the flesh. Every time we allow our mind to harbor a grudge, to nurse a grievance, to enter- entertain an impure fancy, to wallow in sa- self-pity, we're sowing to the flesh. Getting a little convicted? I mean, I'm thinking, dude, what are you doing up in my business, Right? Now, he keeps going. He's not done. Every time we linger in bad company whose insidious influence we know we cannot resist, every time when we lie in bed when we ought to be praying, every time we check out pornography, every time we take the risk that strains our self-control, we are sowing, sowing, sowing to the flesh. I believe John Stott hits areas that are so true for us. They're kind of those secret areas. As he speaks, a lot of what he says has more to do with the mind than anything else, right? And Paul in 2 Corinthians says, we need to guard our minds. We need to be careful of what lingers in there. Again, I don't think, I don't think we can stop thoughts. This is my personal opinion. But I can sure throw them out quick. If a gross and immoral thought comes in, I can try and right away start reciting scripture, start maybe singing a praise song, start doing something like that. So listen, man, he says, here he says, man, you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. I want you to underline you will, because he doesn't say you might or maybe, you will. And some people go, well, I don't know, man. I see some people doing pretty awful things and they're doing really fine. Seriously? Again, read some quotes of some of those people who have died. And then go into the house of God and get into his word and know their end. Destruction's coming. So you're going to reap corruption. And then I love this. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Does that sound good? Everlasting life. Now listen carefully. I don't think he's promising us pie in the sky. I don't think he's saying when you die, it's gonna be so good. I believe, listen, I believe when we die, it's gonna be really, really good because here's what I I, I know. I'm not gonna have this flesh and I'm not gonna sin anymore. Yes! 
but I can experience eternal life right now. Right where we're at as we walk through life, we should be experiencing eternal life. Jesus gave us life, and what did he say? I give you life abundantly. As believers, we're the only ones who can experience eternal life now. And as I sow to the Spirit, I am going to recognize that and walk in that to a greater degree than if I don't. Now, my example here is Abraham. Don't you love Abraham? Like Abraham is my hero. And you know what? Abraham blew it. But I love, I love the beginning then when God says, hey, Abraham, get your stuff and let's go. I love the fact that he didn't say, where are we going? How long's the journey? Is it going to be hard? Am I going to like where we're going? Is it going to be cold? Or are we going to the tropics? What does Abraham do? It blows my mind. He gets his stuff and he goes. Now, I, for one, can't believe he ever convinced Sarah to go. I cannot imagine going home to Gainel and saying, honey, pack the car. We're going. Where are we going? I didn't ask. How long are we going to be there? Didn't ask that either. What's the, what do I need to pack? Didn't ask that either. I mean, I love that idea. That is sowing to the Spirit. That is trusting God. And then he gets there, and all of the things he does along the way, he takes the name Abraham when he doesn't have any kids. He was Abram, the father, and then he was the father of many, and his neighbors are going, seriously, dude, father of many? It's not working for you. And then the best of all, when he takes that one son he gets and takes him up on the mountain. That's my favorite scene of Abraham. Because he tells the guys with him, remember? Me and the lad are going up to worship. And we will, we will return. Why did he say that? I think for the simple reason of this. He knew that the promise went through Isaac. God had already made that very clear to him. The promise was going to go through Isaac. And here's what Abraham knew in his heart of hearts. God's not a liar. And so he didn't know if God was going to resurrect his son. He didn't know what God was going to do. But but here's what he knew. He was not going to leave him dead up on that mountain. He knew that because he had sown to the Spirit. Think about that. Think about your life and some of the anxiety you could avoid by sowing to the Spirit and trusting God and having that commitment to believe in Him even when it doesn't look possible, even when it's the ugliest thing you could ever dream of going on. You still, in the midst of some horrific thing, you're gonna trust God because you have been sowing to the Spirit. And you are going to be experiencing everlasting life now. I think life should be fun. If any of you have been in this church any amount of time, you know I think life is supposed to be fun. I think it's supposed to be good. I think it's supposed to be fun. I think I'm supposed to enjoy life. And I, you know what? I want to enjoy my life in Christ all the way to the end. I, by the way, I think heaven's going to be fun too. I think we're going to laugh. I don't think we're going to get halos and robes and walk around with our hands like this in heaven. I think we're going to laugh. I think we're going to have fun. And we're going to get to worship our God. So, what are you doing this morning? 
when we think about absolutes, are you sowing to the flesh or are you sowing to the spirit? Because you're gonna reap a harvest in each one of those areas. Which one are you really working on? And I think, again, I think it's a, a question we have to answer. Now, here's the thing. A lot of us are saying, man, you know, I did the whole sowing to the spirit thing. And Pat, it's just hard. It's not really working. It's tough. Oh, that's verse nine's for you. Because Paul read our minds, right? And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Man, underline that. Let us not grow weary. Go for it. But I don't feel anything right now. Go for it. But I just got the worst news in my life. Go for it. But you don't understand. For months things have been caving in around me. Go for it. So to the Spirit, work. Do not grow weary in well-doing. Don't give up. Keep going and trust him. That's what this is all about because I believe this is where it all comes down to. Walking with God gets hard, gets difficult. There are times in my life where I'm just like everybody else. God, where are you right now? Because it's hard right now. I would like to tell you then he embraces me and whispers in my ear, I'm right here, Patrick. I think God would call me Patrick because my mom did. (laughs) I'm right here. Sometimes he does in a sense. But there are times I just gotta keep going. For this reason, I know my God. And I know my God is good. I know my God is faithful. I know my God doesn't lie. I know my God keeps his promises. And I can trust my God and I'm going to keep going no matter what the world tells me, no matter what other people tell me. Hey, I get a lot of discouraging stuff. I get people trying to discourage me all the time. Friday was like one of those days, man. Friday, there was so much stuff coming down. I was going, what is going on? It's like, it's like Friday. Friday's supposed to be the happy day. And, you know, I get, we get, a, get an email. I get a letter. I get people uh, face-to-face. I'm going, this is, I don't like Friday. I, at, by 3 o'clock, I said, God, can we do this over but you gotta keep going, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what people say, it doesn't matter what the world around you is doing, it doesn't matter how chaotic it gets, are you gonna trust God or not? And again, my challenge to you would be go back to Abraham. Look what happened to him. Oh, he stumbled a few times, there's no doubt about it, and guess what? You're gonna stumble a few times. There's gonna come times where you're gonna, I'm gonna trust God, and you so don't trust God, you you blatantly like go And then you got to read Abraham and go, oh, I can come back. But I want to challenge us, do not grow weary. Don't let yourself do that. And that's a fight. That's a battle that we have to battle, that we have to go through, that we have to decide we're going to do it. Now, Romans chapter 12 
helps me in those areas. I think a lot of us know Romans 12, 1 and 2, right? I've memorized it, but the problem is I memorized my, in, in one translation, then I tried to memorize in another translation, and I don't even know what I memorized, right? I like mix it all up in my head and get it wrong. So I usually won't quote verses to you guys. I don't mind in my own heart doing it, but Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, right? Paul is talking to the church that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not, here he goes, listen carefully, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind to prove what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. Yes, that's a truth. And we need to live in that. And when, hey, when the enemy comes knocking, when the friends of yours come start throwing stuff at you, when everything seems to be caving in, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Do it. Do it. And then as you do that, you're going to get closer and closer to him, and you're going to be able to walk through those trials. They're not going to disappear. In my life, I got to be really honest. God has never made something just, and it's gone. He's never made an obstacle just disappear. He's walked me through them, and we come on the other side. But I got to be really honest. There's times I go, God, I just want this gone. I was going through some medical stuff several years ago when we were out on Hereford Road, and I can remember, man, crying out to God, please, please. I would even tell God, it's simple, just use your little finger. (laughs) Do you ever get that desperate? It's not that hard for you, just use your pinky and I'll be okay. Nothing. Except for the strength to walk through it. And that's what we need to understand. So listen, do not grow weary, I love that, I love that. And and he says, hey, you know what? There's a, time, there's a timing for reaping, uh, for reaping, and here's the problem. There's a time to harvest things, right? We got a farmer here who, who his life is about that, sowing and reaping. And there's a time. Now, if you're like me, if I plant something, I want, I want the harvest tonight. If I plant it in the morning, I'm like digging it up. Why didn't you grow? What's the matter with you? And that's the way a lot of us are with our spiritual life. Well, Pat, I read this verse and I'm not fixed. Seriously? Like you spent 45 years making this and you think God is gonna fix it with one verse in 12 hours? No, it's gonna take some time. And remember that there's timing, timing, timing. So don't grow weary, keep going. And then he wraps it up with this. Listen carefully, therefore, now here's what I love. He says, therefore, what, what is a therefore, therefore, right? I think, here's what I think he's telling us. Chapter six, verse two, bear one another's burdens. Chapter six, verse five, carry your own load. Chapter six, verse six, share all good things. Chapter six, verse seven, Sowing and reaping. Chap, chap, or verse eight, sowing to the flesh, sowing to the spirit. 
And then verse 10, therefore, right? Are you, are you with me? Therefore, let's draw a conclusion of all of that stuff that we're gonna start fleshing out and we're gonna start doing. And he says, therefore, listen carefully, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. Oh, here's what's going on and here's the objective of God in your life. He wants you to be a world changer out there. I believe, listen, I believe we bless God when we gather together and we worship and we raise our hands and we, and we do things, but here's the objective of Christianity, to change a world. Why does he leave us here? Have you ever sat and asked God why? I, I know some of us have. Why me, God? But not that way. But have you ever asked God why you're here? Why did he leave you here? Listen, if, if salvation was just getting you to heaven, the minute you said the prayer and said amen, you'd go to heaven. Why does he leave you here? To be a witness, a light. Therefore, as you have opportunity, saints, do good to all men. God, do you know what's going on in our world right now? Sure he does. Do good to all men. Let's take the opportunity, let's quit. Let's not be people who wanna complain and moan and groan and get mad and get angry. Let's be world changers. Let's be those who are instrumental in making a difference in our world because of Jesus. And we let people know, hey, I got a simple solution for everything that's going on in the world. I could even run on this platform for president. Today, we are announcing my candidate. No. <laughs> Here's the answer Jesus. And I don't mean that simplistically and silly. He is the answer. The issue going on right now in our country isn't about skin, it's about sin. Period. And we need to take care of that. And the only way we can take care of that is by sharing the gospel. As we have opportunity, let us do good to all. Even those, hey, even those you don't like, even those you run from. I love, I, I kind of love our world right now. Like I talk to certain people and, and, and we all have our, our paranoia about people, right? And, and, and hey, some of it might be racially, some of it might be, you know, with, with what's going on morally and stuff. And I love to watch some Christians, they're like, wah, and they're running, right? They see somebody and I'm going, why don't you embrace them a little bit? Really, you want me to talk to them? Like, Pat, that's a dude wearing makeup. It's okay, talk to him. No. You talk to him. It's okay, you'll be all right. Don't kiss him, you get makeup on you. <laughs> Talk to him. Listen, man, we, we, get these, we get these paranoid things. Stop it. As we have opportunity, do good to all men. And we need to take advantage of that. You know, nothing disturbs me more than, than when somebody comes up to me and some corporation will do something that we don't agree with morally. And they'll come to me and they'll go, are we going to boycott blah, blah, blah? I'm going, how, how can we reach them for Jesus if we're boycotting them? Yeah, but they're not doing da-da-da. And I go, are they a Christian company? Do they have a Christian board of directors? I don't think so. Then why do you expect them to act like Christians? That's called a hypocrite. They're just acting like who they are. We need to share the gospel with them. 
We don't need to be hating them. So listen carefully as we have opportunity to do good to all men. We have this obligation, you and I, to do good out there and to change the world by doing good. What does that mean? What does doing good mean? I think it's just simple. Telling people about Jesus. Communicating the gospel. I always, get, I always love when worldly people want to tell me what being a Christian is. I'm going, you don't know Jesus. How can you tell me what being a Christian is? Like, I don't go, you know what? I don't go into automotive plants and tell them how to build a car. Why? Because I don't know nothing about building a car. Know how to drive a car, sort of. But man, saints, let's, let's practice this. Oh, and then he says this, especially to those who are of the household of faith. You know what? I'm going to be bold. We stink at both of these. We stink at doing good to all, and we stink at doing good to the household of faith. We want to fight and bicker and bite each other and devour each other. We want to do everything we can. Paul talked about that earlier on in chapter 5. But we do that. The letter I got this week was just biting and devouring. Stop it. I don't agree with every denomination and every church out there, biblically, spiritually, theologically. I don't agree with them, but I don't hate them. You know what? If you ask them, they'd go, I don't agree with Pat either. And that's sometimes very healthy, but I don't have to agree with everything they do in order to do good to them. They're brothers and sisters in the Lord. They're part of this thing we call the church of Jesus Christ. But Pat, they don't worship how we worship. It's okay. It's okay. Calm down. Take a chill pill. It's all right. Let's do good to all, especially those of the household of faith. That could start right here. Did you bite and devour anybody in here this week? Don't look around. But if you're doing that, stop it. Let's just stop in here, and then we'll worry more about out there. But here's what I believe. We're not going to do well with the all until we learn how to do well with the in. And we got to do it, saints. Let's, I believe, I've said this since COVID started, and I believe it with all the riots that are going on. I believe this is one of the greatest times to be alive is opportunities to be light in darkness. Christians, that's what we're supposed to be. Here's what's freaky to me. The world gets darker, we should get brighter, but here's what we wanna do. I wanna go put my candle under a bushel. That sound familiar? No, man, we should be out there like, we should be glaring, we should be like, you know, a million watt light. Let's be bright. Let's don't run away. Let's run too. Let's change the world, huh? You up for it? Let's go. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I, uh, I do thank you for your word, and I thank you for the challenge in your word. I thank you that, God, as you, as you come at us, you, you're not always gentle and kind of tiptoe you, this section just hits us right, right where we live. And 
I think it hits us in those secret areas that we try and keep to ourselves. So Jesus, my prayer for myself, my prayer for our fellowship, is that we would be convinced that God, whatever we sow, we're gonna reap. And that we would be committed to sowing to the Spirit and fighting against the flesh. Earlier in, in, in chapter five, you tell us the works of the flesh and they're ugly. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are things we wanna see in our lives. And so God, I pray today that there would be change in our lives and that you would get the glory and that we would be change agents in our world. Here we are, God. We're kind of a ragtag group. Take us and use us to make a difference. Use us to influence the world around us for good and to shine your light brightly. I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer for a few more minutes, and if you are here today and you've never asked Jesus to forgive your sins, you've never asked him to come in and guide and direct your lives, then you know what, today is the day to do it. If you're watching online and, and, and God hits your heart right where you're at there in your home, maybe a family friend, maybe you just tuned in by accident, maybe a family friend or somebody got you tuned in, you're watching online and God touched your heart, I'm talking to you too, listen carefully. All you have to do, the Bible says, is call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Now that's a simple way of putting this thing. You've gotta come to him and you gotta come to him real. You can't fake it. You gotta be the real deal. You gotta come to God and admit to God you're a sinner. That's where you have to start. And when you come to him and admit you're a sinner, now you've opened up the door. By the way, that shouldn't be hard because the Bible says everyone has sinned. So everyone in this room has sinned, so you can admit that to God. Then secondly, you need to understand that the wages, the, the harvest of that sin, if you will, is death. Not physical death, but separation from God. That's ugly, that's bad news, that's horrible news. The good news, Jesus Christ came, went to the cross, died that death, took that separation from God for you, took every, every ounce of thing you owed him, and now he holds this receipt out to you and says, hey, it's paid in full. All you have to do is accept it. That's what calling on the name of the Lord is. So I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. You can say it with me out loud. You can say it silently. Most importantly though, you've gotta be sincere. Jesus, today I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you, God. And right now, I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you this morning 
for your forgiveness. And now I'm asking you to come into my heart and change me, God. Come into my life and guide me. Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. 